and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and fan castings, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a magical movie where a kid with a lightning bolt tattoo goes to school and learns all about magical things and what... I don't think we saw the same movie. But we're talking about wizards, right? We're talking about the wizard. Oh, the the one where the girl goes down the brick road and she uh she's gonna go see, like save her dog Toto shit. That one. Wrong wizard. Oh fuck. Well, we're screwed then. Uh, no, no. Of course. See you next week. <laughs> see you next week. Uh, no, we are talking about the 1989 classic. Uh, <laughs> it's not, but the film The Wizard that has nothing to do with real wizards, and I always thought it was a weird name. Yeah. Uh, but it's about video games starring our friend uh, of the podcast. He's not really a friend of the podcast, but <laughs> I would love it if he was. Uh, Fred Savage. This is kind of our Fred Savage episode, if you will. A little bit. So we are going to break down The Wizard, and we are going to do a review of the TV show The Wonder Years. And tying in with The Wizard, we are going to do our own casting of a Super Mario Brothers reboot movie. But it really has nothing to do with the old movie. Right. And maybe we'll get to that eventually. It's really low on our list, honestly. We felt it worked pretty well with The Wizard, which we can explain when we talk about the movie. Yeah. We're going to do our own casting. You know, if they redid that movie, or not redid, if they made a brand new Mario movie, how, you know, who would you want cast in that today? Right, exactly. From scratch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So this movie came out in 1989. We've already had multiple years of 1989. I know there's got to be something left. Yeah, uh, I'm running out of, uh, (laughs) you know, big things like, you know, Oscar movies and stuff like that. So I decided to kind of break it down little by little, especially because we have more movies from 1989 that's probably going to be coming down in some of the episodes later. So I... Looked up whatever was the Hot 100 single of the week that the movie was mm. released, which was released on December 15th okay. of 1989. And I'm happy to say I'm really excited about this because the Hot 100 single of that week was We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel. Yeah! Eric Truman, Doris Day, Jimmy Chama, Chinga J. Yeah, that fucking good song. <laughs> I remember having to uh, read read through the lyrics of that in our history class because that, because it basically runs down a lot of what happens in the 20th century. Every verse is a different decade. Okay. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, just a couple of other weird, funny things. Um, that year at the Emmys, or before the Emmys for that year, John Larroquette, who we talked about when we talked about Night Court, mm-hmm. had won the previous four Emmys in a row and asked to not be considered oh. because he was winning so much. <laughs> I'm sure some of the other actors were getting pissed at him. Yes. And I don't know if this is true or not. It was on the internet, so it had to be true. In 1989, uh, someone bought a painting for $4, and inside the frame, they found a first print of the Declaration of Independence. Oh. And they ended up selling it for $2.4 million. Nice. So I don't know, maybe you inspired a movie with a certain Uh, uh, Nicolas Cage, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Who knows if that's true or not, but it seemed like an interesting point to make. That is very cool. So that's all I got for 89. Well, all right. Well, wham, bam, expelliarmus, we are going (laughs) to make our way into the wizard. It's going to be more like right, right, left, left, up, up, down, down, (laughs) A, B, A, B, start. (laughs) 
So The Wizard from 1989. This movie was directed by Todd Holland, who really hasn't done too much in the world of uh, feature films, but he's done quite a few TV directing some things, including he did a, quite a bit of episodes of Malcolm in the Middle. Good show there. Mm-hmm. And one of my a personal favorite of mine, which I think is highly underrated, The Larry Sanders Show, which is mm-hmm. fucking hilarious. Hey now. Hey now. Love The Larry Sanders Show. I never saw it. Oh, yeah. I, I would love for you to get on that train. You have you have HBO, I think. Uh, I, d- I do now. <laughs> it's, so, it's so worth it. The music in this movie, uh, which is decent, not great, but pretty 80s solid yeah, very, music. Yeah. Um, and we'll get more about into the soundtrack. Really, definitely enjoyed the soundtrack yeah. in this film. But the music was done by J. Peter Robinson, who I wouldn't say he's a prolific composer, but some of his credits are ones that I definitely hope we will get to down the line. We've actually kind of already mentioned before, Cadillac Man was mm, one that he scored. Yeah. He also did Wayne's World, which isn't really known for its score. But, right. Yeah. Uh, he did the movie Cocktail, which... I saw that movie when I was way too young to yes, see. Yes, same. <laughs> I, I'm almost dead certain we watched it either at her dad's place, because he watched it, um, or saw it on like HBO during a free weekend or yes. something. Uh, he also did the Howie Long awful movie Firestorm, oh, uh, if you knew that one. And then one that made me so fucking excited, the Disney Channel original movie Brink. Which is like my all-time favorite Disney Channel original movie. You were probably too old for it. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, remember that. It at was all. all about like extreme rollerblading, like yeah, uh, oh. <laughs> not, not extreme. I mean, but like, like invert, like, like um, X Games. Yeah, like things. exactly. Like you're on a on a on a pipe and yeah. you know, doing cool stuff. Uh, and it's it's super awesome. Okay. So you know, maybe this will jumpstart us to to get to Brink. I really want to get to Brink. We'll <laughs> put it on the list. I will. I will put it on the list. <laughs> the cinematography for this film. So the shots didn't stand out to me. In this movie, mm-hmm. it wasn't anything special, but the cinematographer is someone special. Particularly, I think maybe he, you know, he, he grew in some of his cinematography, uh, but he's pretty much Wes Anderson's go-to guy. Oh, his cool. name is Robert Yalman. Um, I mean, he's done some other films, things like Johnny B. Good, which is the Michael Keaton movie. Oh from my the gosh, 80s. Michael Keaton. Yeah. No, Anthony Michael Hall. No, Johnny B. Good is. Uh, is it, what am I thinking of? John, I'm thinking of Johnny Dangerously. Thinking Shit. Of Johnny I'm thinking Dangerous. of Johnny Dangerously. So you're you're right. That's the Anthony. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Fuck it. Uh, that's the one where he plays. He's the quarterback. Yeah, yeah. That's not as good. I was thinking Johnny Dangerously. Oh. That's a much more cool movie. That one's probably going to go on the list too. Now, yeah, I like. I watched that one as a kid too. Okay, it's not a great movie, but it, it was fun to watch. Yes, as a it kid. was. Uh, he also did Dogma, uh, mm. which was uh, probably my favorite Kevin Smith movie. Thinking about it. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's definitely in my top three. Yeah, and then we did Rushmore, Royal Tannenbaum's Moonrise Kingdom, which I think is. One of Wes Anderson's most underrated films. I really, really enjoy Moonrise Kingdom. Never saw it. Yeah, a lot of people didn't, but I, I think it's really fun. I didn't good. even make it all the way through the Royal Tannenbaums. Oh, damn. Now, rewatching it, it is a little bit slow, but it is, it's an awesome movie. Grand Budapest Hotel he also shot, as well as Life Aquatic. So very solid cinematography and the symmetry that they do. Um, that this guy helped set that tone. So well, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, you start with The Wizard, <laughs> the movie about magic and mystery and wands. Oh, wait, no, it's about video games. Yes. And this movie, The Wizard, stars Luke Edwards. Uh, he is Jimmy Woods, a.k.a. The Wizard. You're a wizard, Luke. <laughs> that, that was my Hagrid. That wasn't very good. Anyway, no. uh, I think that joke's played out. <laughs> <laughs> we know Luke Edwards from Little Big League. He was the manager. Billy Haywood. Yeah, Billy Haywood. I and used him in my yes. my fantasy draft. Yeah, I don't know. I guess that. Uh, and then we've also talked about him before in the movie Newsies. Mm. He plays Les. Yeah. So this film also stars Jenny Lewis, 
who plays uh, the female Haley, and she was in Troop Beverly Hills. More recently, she's kind of gone into a fairly decent, successful music career. Yeah, she kind of dropped off the radar in 89 mm-hmm. and switched to music and did yeah. that for a while, and then she just popped up a few years ago. Okay. Actually, the last, the first one she did after her hiatus was A Very Murray Christmas. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, this film also stars Bo Bridges, who we talked about before in the movie Sidekicks. Yes. Uh, he plays the dad, Sam yep. Woods. Christian Slater plays uh, the older brother, Nick Woods. I totally forgot Christian Slater was <laughs> yeah, in this movie until until I saw his name pop and up. And he's not a small part. He's in quite oh, no. a bit of the film. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, Christian Slater from Heather's, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Fern Gully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Fred Savage, is mm-hmm. in this film. Um, he plays Corey Woods, who uh, we know Fred Savage from Wonder Years, from Princess Bride. Actually, what a lot of people may not realize, he became quite a big-time TV director. Yeah, he did. You know, he his acting career fell hard after Wonder Years because people just very wanted to typecast him and they couldn't see him. Similar enough to, like, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, exactly. As, as a kid, all of America watched you grow up and they can't see you as anything but that character for right. a while. And Neil Patrick Harris had to do, like, something crazy on Harold and Kumar to kind of <laughs> Get re- back yes, to revamp himself. Uh, but the way Fred Savage did it, he went behind the scenes and he used, you know, his knowledge growing up and seeing how sets were run and he has directed multiple episodes for Modern Family. Uh, he directed things like Party Down. We also produced that one, which I don't mm. know if you've seen Party Down. No. Hilarious show. Okay. And he's also directed many, many episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. Which I love that show. Never seen it. I know. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> uh, it's my kind of humor, if that helps. I just watched him in uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. Was that any good? It was funny. It was, it was Deadpool 2 that they remade, it, right? Yeah. yeah. I was we hoping t- it we was took Deadpool our son. One. Okay, because it's PG-13. Because yeah. it's PG-13. It was still a hard PG-13, okay. given, you know. But it was fun. the scenes that they added mm-hmm. were funny. Okay. There are some things that they took out. It doesn't really change the story at all, but it was fun to go see once. But, okay. you know, if it comes out on, on digital, I don't know if I'll yeah. get it. Yeah, I already bought Deadpool 2. Yeah. I'm probably not going to rebuy it for a PG-13 version. Yeah, exactly. So we start this movie off uh, with a song. We get uh, this kid kind of walking over a horizon on a street, <laughs> and we get a song by the Bodines called You Don't Get Much. Nothing really says late 80s, early 90s like the Bodines. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and I like the Bodines. Like, the, the one song that most people know them by is Closer to Free. Right. Just such a catchy song. Wasn't that the theme song from Party of Five? Didn't uh, they use that as probably? The theme song? Yeah, I think you're right. I I was I not a want, huge Party of Five guy. I well, I wasn't either. I just remember the song. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was that one. Okay. I mean, I could I could look it up right now and be correct or not, but I'm just gonna wing it. <laughs> and I can just cut it if it's not. Yes, exactly. I'll, I'll check it later. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm I mean I'm digging the song. It's pretty solid. Uh, we got this 
little kid and he's got a little lunch pail walking on the street and we get a plane flying over him. We hear kind of, you know, a police radio going on and they're like, oh shit, it's the kid. And, you know, they're, right. they're obviously, some people were trying to find him. Um, so they stop him. He can't really say anything. We know stuff's off with this kid pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that he says for, I don't know, maybe half the movie yeah. is California. <laughs> and he says it pretty annoyingly. Yes. <laughs> California. Do you notice how how uh, off the plane seemed to be? Like every time it flew flew low, it would like mm. wobble. Oh, <laughs> quite a bit. Like dangerous. Yeah. No, I didn't notice that. I was. Yeah, I probably should have looked out for the kid's safety. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, the, first of all, the plane flew really low, so they mm. could get a nice tight shot. Yeah. And, but then right before the plane goes out of frame, it, it wobbles left and right, <laughs> and then goes out of frame. Oh shit. Uh, we also get some not very subtle exposition over the police radio, where they talk about uh, his mother, uh, and they're like, "All right, we gotta let's go, let's go take him to his mother's place. She's remarried." And it's like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> all right, wow." Like they would fucking say that on a right. police radio. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Right. But I guess through that context, you know, it's not really just telling us. Well, it's pretty much just telling us straight up, like, <laughs> "Hey, this kid's coming from a broken home, and you're gonna have a stepdad character." That really isn't how I don't. I, I don't imagine police people would talk like that. We get just from other context from, you know, once they get Jimmy back, that he's kind of a a traumatized boy. At this point, we don't really know what is he traumatized by. Mm -hmm. You know, really what it seems like he's like, it seems like he's autistic or something like that right now. Anyway, he's at least traumatized. We know some some shit has happened. And we also learn just from other context that he apparently has some brothers uh, who live with his natural father. Mm -hmm. But now we cut straight to Bo Bridges, who is the natural father um, and he's with his sons, Corey, played by Fred, Fred Savage. We're on a first name basis, me and Fred, and Nick, uh, Mr. Slater. Um, he's, <laughs> yeah, That's Mr. Slater to you. <laughs> so those are the, the brothers, uh, which we find out kind of later that they're actually half brothers. Mm-hmm. So they were from a previous marriage and then this second marriage. So poor Bo Bridges can't lock down a, a wife for a while, but oh well. But apparently the brothers did go to see Jimmy. I think we kind of get... It just you kind of infer later that I think Fred Savage is kind of the the character Corey's the one who kind of breaks him out and mm-hmm. <laughs> lets him go on his walks or whatever. Yeah. But they're really worried about him being put in the home. Uh, the stepdad, classic late '80s. If you're a stepfather, you don't get good representation <laughs> in '80s and '90s movies. Yeah. I am sorry. Um. So he's he wants to put the kid in a home. Corey doesn't really want that to happen. He talks about the kid like the kid's a client. Oh, the stepdad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, he does. or like the mother is a client, mm-hmm. and you know the boy is just some sort of property that they're haggling over. Yeah, I mean he's it's a, a little weird. He's, I mean he's a very unattached stepdad. He's yeah. like basically, you know, yeah, he treats him like he's inherited this problem. You know, like right. this little thing that he has to deal with. Besides that, you know, we see the family, including the dad and the brothers, the dad and his sons. They fight a lot. Every everybody, pretty much everyone, fights everyone. Yeah. Um, in this movie. Uh, but Fred, at one point, is playing darts in his room, throws it at, a, at this map and hits California. And he kind of gets this idea that he's going to bust Jimmy out. Instead of going to the Institute, they're going to go to California. <laughs> so that's, that's where they're going to go. Uh, he goes and gets him. We kind of get this other scene. At this Institute, we see other kids as 
he's walking towards Jimmy's room of these obviously either, you know, mentally challenged kids or mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, they're either traumatized or whatever. Right. But this place just kind of like, it seemed kind of like a creepy asylum right. kind of stuff. Yes. Where they're all watching like this TV and they just kind of like turn back and look at, at Fred Savage and go like, come on, Fred, play with me or whatever. The, I can't even remember what the fuck the line is. Come play yeah. with us. Come play. Yes, exactly. Come play with us. Come play with us. Come play with us, Danny. Forever and ever and ever. Also, there is no security. Yeah. Fred Savage walked <laughs> right in. I like to think Fred has uh, some ninja skills that, <laughs> you know, he didn't really tell us about. But yeah, it is. It is atrocious. He gets to Jimmy and they sneak out in the back of like a little delivery truck, like a hostess delivery truck, uh, which is just kind of a kid's dream. You just eat, mm-hmm. all, eat all the fucking snack cakes that you can. Here we kind of we cut pretty immediately to uh, the father and the mother and the stepfather are all together. And, you know, they know that Jimmy's busted out. So the security I, at least caught him mm-hmm. leaving pretty quickly. They just couldn't do it fast enough to stop him. Right. Yeah, that stepdad is just, he's just an asshole. And they hire this private investigator who's going to be our going to be our main uh, antagonist right. The movie throughout the movie named Putnam. He's, yeah, it's just, you could tell immediately that he was going to be the villain. Yes. <laughs> he's just he going to be a... He looks like a creep. He does. Yes, well, he looks like a skinnier George... From Seinfeld a little bit, but like, well, I was going to say more of an asshole, but George is kind of an asshole in Seinfeld. They're, they're all assholes. He is. Yeah. Putnam is just a, is a dick and we'll, we'll see that throughout. So the boys, Corey and Jimmy are on their way to California. They're just kind of walking and then skateboarding by the road. Just kind of cute. Also, apparently Fred Savage has mad camping skills because he started a fire right. uh, in like you know, just the middle of the desert that they were at. Right. Uh, and that Boy Scouts. He must, yeah, must have been a Boy Scout. So they camped at one night, and then the next day they stop at a bus station. Corey, who's trying to find, you know, trying to get bus tickets to California, stops, uh, kind of just puts Jimmy in front of Double Dragon mm-hmm. on the arcade. And which was not actually the arcade version of Double Dragon. It was the NES version of Double uh, Dragon. Which makes sense because uh, I think Nintendo sponsored this movie. or, or Yeah. yeah I, they had to have. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm actually I'm pretty sure that yeah Nintendo had a deal with this film, and I think that totally makes sense because yeah. they I mean they pushed the Nintendo hard. Yes, there's <laughs> no other game systems are shown at yeah. all in this movie. Yeah. Jimmy apparently is like a he's the Rain Man of video games in kid form, mm-hmm. and he got like fifty thousand in Double Dragon on his first try, and it's just kind of get you know a quick hint of him being good at games. Um, we also kind of see this creepy girl kid at the bus station who's kind of like eyeballing him to me it's like it's obvious that she's looking to try i think she's gonna she's gonna try and con him or Mm -hmm. you know she's just kind of seeing who who these kids are so she can do something like that we can just tell that she's trouble so Corey tries to con Haley actually by getting her to play double dragon against jimmy and see who can get the highest score in doing so it makes Haley miss her bus that she was trying to get on and so now all these kids are stuck together which i think even at a bus station these kids are at most, I don't know, 12 years old or right. something. So I don't think if they saw these kids just around with no adults, if you're a good bus station person, you'd probably, you know, call the police or somebody to help. I, I did think it was weird that, like, when all of this stuff is going on inside the station and, like, they're arguing and fighting over the, that ticket that he tries to take, mm-hmm. the guy behind the counter just sort of stares at them and does yeah. nothing. <laughs> and then when the fight is over, he turns away and goes back to whatever it was he was doing. Yeah. Pretty shitty adulting. Yeah. 
we just kind of see the kids are at, you know, a different place. Uh, they go and play Ninja Gaiden. Jimmy's still kind of kicking ass. He's obviously, yeah, pretty much he is a savant at just picking up different video games. She calls him a wizard, and this, so she kind of nicknames him a wizard. Look at him. He's making the jump. It's his second time through, and he hasn't even taken a hit yet. He's a wizard. There was some sort of some talk that this movie might be sort of a modern retelling of the Who's Tommy. Oh, a pinball wizard. Pinball oh, wizard. Oh, huh. Okay, I like that. It's kind of it's kind of in the same vein. Yeah, because he's bl- a deaf, dumb, and blind kid, and this guy's kind of like you know got issues. I- issues. So I don't know how huh. true to that it is, but you can definitely see some parallels. Yeah. What about uh, yeah? Was they, did they have a creepy uncle? Because <laughs> in, in Tommy, there's this real creepy uncle. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Putnam does he, refer to who himself. Who fiddles to... about though? Fiddle about. Fiddle about. You don't. Yeah, I mean, you... I, don't know. I haven't seen Tommy okay. in like decades. Okay. I'm your wicked uncle, honey. I'm glad you won't see or hear me as I fiddle about, fiddle about, fiddle about your mother. But Putnam does refer to himself as Uncle Putnam once. Maybe that's it. <laughs> okay. Huh. All right. So Haley sees this talent from Jimmy, and she pretty much offers to help them get to this video game tournament. She tells them about it in California, in Los Angeles, that there's Mm -hmm. this big video game tournament, and the winner gets $50,000. And so they kind of make a deal that they'll split the winnings if they can go. One scene, we see Putnam, the private investigator, who is now on like a competition with the dad, because Putnam wants to catch the kid, or else he's not going to get his money. Right. And the dad's trying to go get his sons back. They have a comical just back and forth, and they seem to hit every town together at the same time. And so they always end up doing something stupid. But he ends up slashing the dad and Nick's truck tires. Yes. And, you know, that's a felony, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Or, you know, at least a misdemeanor. It's got to right. be something. Yeah. They have a funny back and forth, honestly. And I do think it kind of works. Yeah. It's kind of silly. We cut to the back of some truck. Uh, and we get a little bit of backstory about Haley that apparently her mom was a showgirl. Woo! A Reno showgirl. All mm-hmm. right. And uh, she, her dad is a trucker. And she kind of, like, knows truckers. And she tells us right. a little bit about the, a trucker's code. Um, but they're not really in a trucker's, like, in, no. a, in a truck right now, a semi. They're in a pickup. They're, yeah, they're in a, a big pickup, you know, that with has, that has, like, animals in it. Right. <laughs> she, they're flashing some cash. And, and the guys who are driving see it. And so they're like... Fuck these kids. We want fifty bucks. Um, I know. It seem it seems like they made a hassle over very little money. Yeah. It's it's really I don't I don't know why they would do that. It wasn't it really wasn't much. No. They needed she had a lot of, of ones in that stack, not yeah. like tens or hundreds <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. But because the kids got robbed, they are now left stranded on the side of the road. At uh, one point, we see Christian Slater. Uh, he's playing Super Mario Brothers 2. He just kind of has his Nintendo that he's traveling around with, and he's playing that. Right. Um, but it's just kind of not really an important scene, but it does just kind of set us up even further with that sweet Nintendo branding that's, right. that's throughout plugging that. And also shows like... Okay, hey, he's playing Super Mario Brothers 2. Right. That does come into play much later in the film. Yes. So, um, And apparently Christian Slater and Bo Bridges had real no interest in video games before <laughs> uh-huh. filming this movie. Uh-huh. And then actually quite enjoyed it and became interested in it after nice. they finished. Yeah, well, they had him play some fun games, though. Then they did. Yeah. I had a lot of uh, flashbacks watching this yes, movie. Yes, yes. Uh, that is something, yeah, which I was going to talk about later, but... It's this movie is good about for our generation if you owned an NES system. Yes. Because 
the games that they play were some of the biggest titles. And, like, you had, I mean, we didn't have all of the titles that were on here, right. but we had quite a few. And it just definitely, it was like, the movie itself is nostalgia, and then it's showing about the video games that I right. had. It's like nostalgia-ception. Right. And it's really, and it's hitting me pretty good. The kids make it to a town, and they kind of want to sucker some other guys at video games, uh, which apparently they did, some of these teenagers uh, who are assholes. <laughs> they end up going and crashing in some, like, trucker bed uh, in, like, the, the top part of a truck for some reason. Mm-hmm. And we kind of really find out, you know, that Haley, yeah, she's kind of a, she's kind of a tough girl. She's kind of like, the, you know, the loner, hardened. Uh, she's got some daddy issues or mommy issues or all of the above issues. Right. And uh, she's just kind of like kind of like a loner girl. It's, she's going to be a hard, you know, nut to crack. Yeah. Next, we just kind of get some bikers that swing by and watch them. That watch them walking. You know, they're they're trying to hitchhike, and we get a little montage of them hitchhiking and traveling. You know, that they get from the bikers and just kind of either scamming people and whatnot. Uh, but it plays uh, with the song "Send Me an Angel." Mm-hmm. Good song. Good yeah. song. Yeah, the, the soundtrack in this film is pretty solid. They got some some good stuff that that not like the best hits of the late eighties, but some good songs that make yeah. yeah, definitely make me happy. Yeah. Stuff that when you hear it you're like, Oh yeah, I remember that song. Yeah. Not one that you probably even now would have on heavy rotation, but mm-hmm. one uh it, it uh, this is kinda weird. It take those hearing those kinds of songs, especially songs like that, takes me back to the skating rink. Oh yeah. Like especially you know the times we would spend at the skating rink when they would you know you basically just skated in a circle while they played music and that's the that was the soundtrack of what we did in the skating rink. Yeah, so much good times. I mean, it was that for me. I feel like a classic skater. You had carpeted walls. Yes. You had a few video games. It was a it was a decent, decent arcade yeah. for the small town that we lived in. It was yeah. a decent arcade. We were good in the skating rink. I feel like. Our family was pretty solid skating skaters because they used to do you know little like races yeah. and stuff like that, and all of us had won a couple times. Like none of us were were bad. We were all pretty pretty quick on wheels. Yeah. So yeah, good this, times. Oh yeah, our daycare would send us there, we, or, or even school. I can't remember, but like, both. Yeah. What was it called? I, remember. Was I can't remember what it was coming called. Coming skating rink, something like that. Yeah. But it was, it was just. Yeah. It's gone now, unfortunately. Yeah. I just yeah, so many good times. I know. This is a weird. Or this is a weird memory, but since we're talking about it. Mm. I remember discovering the candy bar Three Musketeers there. That's like that was the first time I had one was okay. at the skating rink. I'd yeah. never had one until then. That is a, a weird memory for some reason that you have those connected, but that's yes, cool. because I remember getting it and thinking, "Oh man, this is great," and then getting it again and getting it again yeah. and getting it again until I was sick of. They're it. light and fluffy. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally can see that. It's just a weird connection. Yeah. So the kids are still scamming others for money at this diner. Uh, we hear about this kid, Lucas. Uh, he's this kid with some sweet shades. Uh, he's kind of a badass-looking kid. Uh, he's apparently, like, the best. He is the best video gamer that they know. They're going to duel. Lucas wants to see how good this Jimmy kid is. Someone even calls out, oh, is that the wizard? So even kind of like Jimmy's uh, status is kind of getting around. Yeah. But when they do this racing game and try and you know, see who's got the highest score on that – Jimmy pulls out the straight up coolest looking gear of all video game ever, ever of all time. Absolutely, ever. it's of course 
the Nintendo Power Glove. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, this movie is like to me, this movie isn't just like a an ad for Nintendo. Specifically, this movie I think feel was designed to make the Power Glove look cool. Yeah. And it did. Like yeah. I wanted the Power Glove. Yes. Of course, we didn't get it because I think no. those things were expensive as fuck. Yes. I also heard they didn't work for shit. <laughs> <laughs> but Lucas makes the Power Glove look so fucking cool. Yeah. And yeah. He looks like he's like laid back. He <laughs> looks like he's driving. Like he's like put the seat down mm-hmm. back and laid far with his hand out. Did you notice when he tapped the things what notes played? No. It's the five notes from Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, that's very bum, cool. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Power glove. Yeah, and I think I think the power glove also like was a huge flop for Nintendo, and they didn't sell yeah. nearly that, yeah. all that many. Probably because it was too expensive. Too and didn't expensive. work. And didn't yeah. work. So, man, Lucas looks cool with it. And you you know who else notices how cool Lucas looks with it? Haley does. <laughs> and there's this weird sexual tension between the two of them. <laughs> and like Lucas is kind of like eyeballing her, and she's she's. Eyeballing him back. He's a good-looking kid. Yeah, he is a and cute he's kid. He's cool. He is much better looking than Fred Savage, <laughs> and he's much cooler than taller, taller than Fred Savage, and cooler looking. But you know, Fred's got his things. He's he's, he's good too. I like it. We're just we're just referring to him as Fred. We're not yeah. referring to him as Corey. Yeah. I have to admit, it's like after having watched the Wonder Years and this, and even the Princess Bride, it seems like they're all the same character. Yeah, he's. It's hard to see him as anyone but Fred Savage anyway, because, right. yeah, he kind of is – his range as a child actor <laughs> wasn't – maybe he wasn't the best. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, I do want to call out a line I thought it was absolutely awesome where Haley and Haley and Lucas are having, like, this uh, this eye fuck session or whatever the hell they're doing <laughs> between each other. Lucas kind of, like, badass turns to Haley and says, I love the power glove. It's so bad. And it's just like, oh, my God, man. Whew. It, uh, I think it made me wet, honestly. <laughs> but, Jesus. I uh, know. He was cool. He was so cool. And Fred, uh, sorry, and Corey, Corey's a little jealous, and he's trying to, like, rein Haley back in and trying to, you know, show that he likes her. I don't know. He's trying to, he's protective of her, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't really know his own feelings. We cut to a hotel room, and we get a little bit more backstory about the family. We hear a little bit about this Jennifer. So they know, we know that they had a sister named Jennifer. We kind of, kind of get from context. And we kind of figure out, we're piecing together that Jennifer was a twin of Jimmy who died. So she was Jimmy's twin sister who ended mm-hmm. up dying. So that's kind of like what we we hear about it at this point. We also see that, you know, Nick and his dad and Bill Bridges, they're not really bonding over that well. And so at this point, Nick's like, ah, fuck this. I'm going to bring in a Nintendo system and I'm going to plug in and play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, God. I loved yeah. this game so much. Yeah. And I was horrible at it. <laughs> we all were. There was one part... That I could never get past, and they show that part. None of us could get past that part. I know exactly what you're talking about because I wrote the same note. That I, that I was just like, we. I mean, we played the fuck out of this game. Yes, but we just couldn't get past that level. Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, go. Of course, the level is. Uh, I forget what the name. It's the one well, where you're underwater and you have to yes. after uh, de. Um, you have to deactivate the deactivate bombs. the bombs. Yeah, and you're swimming and you get those like electrified seaweed. Yes, that just it fucked me up every time. Yes, I was so bad at that part, but even just. Like listening 
to the music that they had playing right. while he was like the different levels that he was playing that just clicked me right fucking back to the game yep and i mean just watching it honestly i totally understand how why and popular why twitch is such a thing because i would sit and just watch somebody playing like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles right yeah. now. Like that would make me so fucking happy just to sit and I probably need to go on YouTube and watch like a playthrough <laughs> right. because that game is awesome. And it, I mean, the amount of times that we played that one and died underwater, right. I don't know, so many people, yeah, can't, can't count. But. Uh, that actually r- reminded me I wanted to bring this up. Not that it really has too much to do, but it's a, you know, a fun way of, of just knowing how, you know, how they did something. No one is actually ever playing the video game for real. Mm. It's video footage of of the game all having already been played by a professional. Yeah, yeah. And then that way the actors could focus on acting. Whatever. Acting like they were doing weird stuff with the controller yes. too. You can okay, Bo Bridges acting when yeah. he's playing the video games <laughs> was insane. It was. I mean, yeah, that should have won him an Oscar right there. It was, I mean, it was funny though. It was, it stupid was hilarious. Funny. Yeah. Which, speaking of the next morning, so Christian Slater's character Nick was playing it at night, uh, kind of showing the dad, you know, about it. Right. Uh, and then the next morning you wake up and Bo Bridges and the dad's playing it right. like, all to hell and being silly. And it's fun. It's kind of and a funny scene. It's funny. Cause he's like, I, I made it to this level and this level. And then when they cut to it, it's like, it's one of the first levels you actually yeah. get to. I was like, no, yeah. wait a minute. I remember that. <laughs> That's like the first thing you do. Yeah. But now the kids wake up and Jimmy is missing, but apparently he's outside building shit. Uh, and there's some just random drama between the kids right now. Right at this moment, the guys from an early arcade, like the teenagers uh-huh. or older teenagers uh, who got swindled out of a little money, are pissed. And they chase him down in this truck. They force open Jimmy's lunchbox. And apparently the whole time, you know, no one really knew. He kept this thing pretty guarded. Yeah. And apparently the entire time that he had in this lunchbox were pictures uh, and memories of his <laughs> twin sister. Yeah. And here is where Fred's, uh, where Corey tells us. About the story, a very, very traumatic story where I can totally see where why Jimmy would be traumatized. He saw his twin sister drown right in front of him. Yeah. Um, so that would definitely fuck up anybody's head. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let alone like a, you know, six-year-old kid or whatever it was. Right. At this point, I think, you know, things hit Corey a little bit. And he's like, shit, I just want to call dad and, and I want to go home. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, very logical. You know, he, yeah. there's, there's some deep shit that he just realized about his his brother and things like that but you know Haley doesn't want to leave and she also drops a hint that she wants Corey to like her uh so okay we get so now there's sexual tension between the two of these kids yeah and basically jimmy is this is the first time that jimmy says something other than california yes and he says Corey, i don't want to quit so now all the kids are they're excited, like, okay, all right, we're not going to quit. We're going to keep going and try to do this video game tournament, you know, for you because it's obviously doing something for him where he's not having to say California anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're going to continue. The dad and Putnam have another run-in. Uh, and at this point, we definitely see a little bit of craziness out of Bo Bridges because, you know, he's pissed off that Putnam stabbed the tires uh, in his in his truck. And so now he's going to use his car and smash the shit out of Putnam's car. But he doesn't really do it in the smartest way. He's kind of just like he's trying to, to crash it, but he's like going head on. He's going to fuck his truck up. And basically what happens is Putnam backs into his truck, kind of ruins it a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but they're, they're, it's, it is comical. There's funny music going on. Uh, and they're just kind of basically they're just fighting and beating each other's shit up because they want to be the first to find Jimmy. Haley, Jimmy, and Corey now get to Reno. 
We have a funny scene of they're trying to get some money. They call up uh, Haley's friend or Haley's dad's friend, Spanky, uh, mm-hmm. to do some gambling for him. Yeah. Which is just kind of, again, kind of shows the toughness, you know, the, kind of the heart of nails. Like she's a little more mature than she should be at that age. So she's basically having Spanky gamble for her. Uh, she's doing a not very subtle scream across the casino floor to tell him what to do. Right. Uh, you would think there'd be something, like even like hand signals or something, right. a little bit more subtle. But of course, you know they eventually get thrown out. But they they got a little bit of money. And the guy who plays Spanky is a ar- actor named Frank McRae, who I've seen in a bunch yeah. of different movies in the '80s as a character actor in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was in Last Action Hero. Remember okay. that? Yeah. Um, he was in Loaded Weapon. Oh yeah, was yeah. the Lethal Weapon spoof. Yes, um, and a few others. But I just remember him seeing, you know, seeing him pop up here and there as different, uh, you know, different characters. Yeah. And then now we get basically like a training montage, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> as much of a training montage as you're going to get for video games, <laughs> where Jimmy is practicing different arcade games, and Haley is calling up this tech support to try and get some strategies. Right. And they're trying to practice super hard for this video game tournament, which only ends up being two games. <laughs> like they're, they're practicing a lot of shit for just two games that are right. coming up. But, uh, yeah, it's a decent little montage. Um, and, like, what I like about it, it just shows tons of, like, different little games from when we were younger and stuff like that. So right. this montage just, yeah, it definitely hits me in those video game feels mm-hmm. <laughs> from when I was younger. Cut to Putnam, who's on the phone with the mother. Apparently the dad uh, that Bo Bridges... I can't even remember his name. He's just calling Bo Bridges or the dad, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, him and Nick go to the same diner. They keep running into each other. It's ridiculous right. coincidence. Christian Slater notices this teenager or whatever is wearing the hat, the same hat that Jimmy had on, which is the same hat that the dad has on, which is Woods Landscaping, which is the company that the dad has. Yeah. At this point, they see Lucas, who just happens to be at that same diner, who tells them about the video game tournament. That, that's where they're headed. Yeah. So I meant to bring this up last when we mm-hmm. talked about Lucas, but the guy who played Lucas, um, his name was uh, Jackie Vinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackie Vinson was convicted of child molestation in 2004. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he's not, I'm not I don't think he's as badass anymore. No. I'm going to reel that back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not as cool looking. I don't envy you. I don't want your power glove, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. All right, then. Sorry to bring, uh, <laughs> sorry to bring the Lucas train down, but. God, he did look cool with that glove. I know. <laughs> I'm going to try and not let that affect me, but yeah, yeah, that's not cool. But at this time, right as Lucas is telling Nick and Bo Bridges about the gaming tournament, Putnam, who's also at this diner, gives a tow truck like 50 bucks and has their truck towed and taken to like a chop shop. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, their truck gets all fucked up. Kind of funny, but that gives Putnam the time he needs to get to Reno. He ends up finding the kids. They're in like this video games place. And he grabs Jimmy, and Haley, in her very quick thinking, she screams out, He touched my breast! <laughs> she should have probably been screaming that about Lucas. Sorry. But it's funny as an adult. I definitely probably didn't understand that joke as much or it just kind of went either over my head or right didn't really pay attention to it when i was younger but i mean it's it's funny as an adult you know yeah. that she's call, calling him out for for molestation and and so the security goes and gets him um it's just it's just kind of funny uh and i thought very weirdly i don't know if you caught this 
while that scene is happening, like while the security is grabbing Putnam, you know, for being mm-hmm. accused for touching Haley's breast, there is a call over the intercom that says, paging Mr. Johnny Love. Paging Mr. Johnny Love. Mr. Johnny Love. Paging Mr. Johnny Love. I'm assuming Mr. Johnny Love is some Vegas act at their arena act at their thing, but it was just weird timing. <laughs> Johnny Love. As this, yeah, I don't know. It was. I just, did not catch that. Yeah, I did. The kids now go to Haley's home, uh, which isn't nearly as cool as she said it was. It's like a little trailer park. I just remembered why I didn't hear that because after that uh, line, I had to explain to my daughter who gave me. She goes, "What's a breast?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay then. Yeah. You had a fun time. So you so you had the kids watch with, with Yeah, we watched we watched it. Okay. All, all of us. All, yeah. all, all right. four of us. Well at the end of this I'd love for you to, to tell me what they what their thoughts are on yeah. it as well. I mean, partly they they never played the games that we did, so they yeah. might not give a shit about some of that stuff. But anyway, Haley and Jimmy and Corey are all at Haley's uh, trailer park or trailer house. You know, we get really just some backstory here that her mother was a gambling addict. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's just some deep-seated shit, and her father's a trucker and is gone all the time, and right. shit like that. So, um, and she just kind of like, you know, she lies to either tell the truth that she wish was right. true, make herself or, feel better. Or yeah, something. exactly. Um, but we could all, you know, seeing enough movies, I could, you could tell that that, yeah. that was kind of that character anyway. Yeah. At one point, it's kind of funny. Uh, Corey is about to kiss her, and she smacks the shit out of him, <laughs> smacks him away, and. Here, you can 100% tell this was written by a guy where she says, no way, I'm not going to kiss a boy. Fred Savage kind of like slyly turns to her and says, a girl maybe? And it's just like, oh my, yeah, I laughed. Uh, Yes, I laughed. But that's the sexist thing. At that age, yeah. Yeah, it's like that guy, that kid shouldn't be, you know, thinking, you know, thinking about hot lesbians at that age. Uh, well, it was the 80s. Yeah, it was the 80s, but, I mean, the time of a dude definitely writing that joke yes. in there for sure. I mean, it coming from a kid kind of also made me laugh, but, <laughs> yeah. I think this is the only funny part about it. <laughs> yeah. But she actually ends up grabbing Corey and just kind of, like, putting a big smacker on him. and Which you can totally see him prep for when she grabs him. Uh, like, as she grabs him and pulls him forward, he puckers up. He's already, he's already puckered. Nice. So he's anticipating it. Yeah, maybe that was the second or third take by yeah. then, and he was he was ready. <laughs> in the morning, uh, Putnam has found the kids again. Uh, he's end up you know being able to track down Haley's address, and he steals Jimmy. He grabs him, and there he heads off in his car. But Haley, she does have some friends. She's got some trucker friends, and they end up hunting down Putnam. This scene is the one I remember the best out of the whole movie. Okay, like the the, 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 the trucker yeah, the, standoff or yeah, whatever. The Yeah, yeah they have him kind of blocking him yeah, in. Yeah, they're going down the road, exactly. They have him blocked in like this canyon. Yep. And he can't get around. Spanky comes out. So Spanky is this big guy. Yeah. He's a tall, big dude. And he comes, he comes walking out, and his line is, So you touched her breasts, huh? And he's just, I mean, it's a funny callback right. to that previous joke. Putnam is just like, oh, shit. And he gets his ass beat. Now Spanky is taking the kids in the truck. And this part pisses me off. I don't know if you're going to know what I'm talking about. Probably not. Okay. So Spanky's driving the kids in this truck. And the way he's driving it is the way that every fucking movie 
does oh. the driving, the wheel the back, and forth, back and forth, driving it back and forth. He's driving straight, yeah. and, and he's moving the wheels. If you actually drove like that, you would make yourself sick. Yes. It, it's Probably so, tip the truck. Yeah, it's, I mean, he is he is moving them fast. Yeah. <laughs> he is like going left, right, left, right. And he's like, I'm driving you to Vegas or to, to, to L.A. And it's just like, oh, my God, why? Whoever <laughs> created that as like the look uh-huh. to, to drive in Hollywood, I want to punch him in the face because it looks so unrealistic. And yeah. anyone who's driven ever knows that that would not be a comfortable ride. No. Yeah. That's annoying. Well, with shaky, with uh, Spanky's shitty driving aside, they make it to L.A. and they are at, which is a pretty damn cool name for the tournament. It's called Video Armageddon. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, it's at Universal Studios. They go register real quick. And did you recognize the register guy? I did. I, me too. I had to look him up because I was like, I just saw his face. And I was like, I know this guy. Yes. I've seen this guy before. Yes. Where I remember him most he was in the movies, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yes. And he plays a character named uh, Pintel, Pintel, I don't know. Um, but what I kind of like really remember for, he's the one who finds Elizabeth Swan, Keira mm-hmm. Knightley's character, and he keeps calling her Poppet. And yeah. I love his line, the, you know, Hello, Poppet. Hello, Poppet. Yes. Yeah. I love that. He, it's like him and the other guy are like the bumbling idiots yes. in the movie. Yeah. Yes. Did you, he's only, uh, did you recognize, I also recognized him actually pretty quickly from another thing that I, I uh, a show that I've watched a million times over, Scrubs. So he had. Oh yeah, he, he had plays. One... He plays the the guy who runs the. Um... Yes, like the MRI machine. The MRI machine. My <laughs> machines. Mine, 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 my machines. These are my machines. Sir, my machines. Whose machines? My machines. How is that helpful? They're mine, mine, my machines, my machines, my machines. That guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's he's. Memorable Great. just because of that. I also I also remembered him from another show only because uh, my wife watched this show religiously. That was Once Upon a Time. Oh, okay. okay. So he was a uh, he played I think he played one of the Seven Dwarves. Okay, yeah, that was in that. Well, show. His name is Lee Ehrenberg. Yeah. We actually hadn't said that. Or yeah. Maybe you did. No, we hadn't said. Okay, it. but yeah, he's a pretty solid character. Oh, he's, he's super. He's super funny in everything he does. And obviously, and, you see him popping up in a bunch of shit. That just yeah. kind of it's kind of fun to see him. Yeah. Um. But so the tournament is underway. Uh, and really, I think, you know, this tournament really showed the kickoff of eSports. Yeah. You know, like how kind of popular and how cool it can be. Yeah. And it really is. It's it's pretty fucking wild how big of a business eSports is now. Yeah. In Vegas, they have like a whole arena, yeah. you know, that is for eSports. It's pretty yep. ridiculous. It's pretty badass, pretty big business. So it's, it's just kind of interesting. This this movie probably started that all. Started everything. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> They're starting the tournament. They play uh, Ninja Gaiden, and the top three scores move on to the final round. Yeah. So there's really only two rounds, only two games. Did you play Ninja Gaiden? Not. Re- we didn't have Ninja Gaiden. No. I, I, I played it a little bit. I played it a lot. Speaking of, I played it a lot in the skating rink. Okay. Because that was the only place that I knew that had nin- the, had the Ninja Gaiden uh, arcade game. Okay, yeah. I mean, I remember playing it. Because, like, seeing it on in this, you know, in the movie, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, I, I do remember some of this stuff. Yeah. And so I pro- that's probably where I played it. I'm sure. But I never really played it a bunch. And, and right. we didn't have it for NES, so I, yeah. I didn't play it then. Uh, and so, of course, in our top three, uh, we have Lucas. He made it, of mm-hmm. course. Jimmy, and he made it. 
And then we have this girl who looks like she's about 30. <laughs> I mean, she looks she looks a little old, I thought. Um, but whatever. Uh, so they made it. And so they, these are the three that are going to fight for the $50,000. They find out that they're going to have to play a game that no one's ever played before. Ooh. I thought it was weird that they, they announced that, and then the qu- crowd is silent. Yeah, no one's no one's cheering. Like, this would be an this, exciting thing. Yes. Yeah, like, oh, my God, we're getting a world premiere of yes. something? But, yeah, no one was. But there's a little break in the action, and so they're, they're giving the kids a smoke break, basically. <laughs> uh, so they step outside, and at one point, Lucas steps outside with his little cronies, and he has some little friends. And did you notice who one of his friends was? Uh-uh. On camera left, so like a two people away from Lucas is a 43-year-old Toby Maguire. No, just, no he's act, he's actually a kid, but it's Toby Maguire as a kid is just he's just an extra basically in this movie, standing as like Lucas's friend friend group, and it's, huh. it is undoubtedly Toby Maguire. Interesting. Yeah. At this point, Lucas sees Putnam because uh, he saw him uh, in the diner or whatever, and he calls out for him who also the mother and the father or it's the mother and the stepfather have made it to Universal Studios because yeah. they they found out about the tournament Putnam told them told them about it Putnam who you know in his insanity or whatever is trying to race down and grab Jimmy and Haley and Corey and they all run away from Putnam yeah and I just at this point I don't get his insanity because right. the mother and stepdad are there they saw that Putnam found the kids for them right he, sh- he deserves some money, honestly. I The guy tracked down the kids. Yes. And he's, like, so obsessed with, oh, if I don't, you know, physically hand over the kid, I'm not going to get my money. Right. And that's his whole motivation for, you know, being this asshole. But he's now it's gotten into, like, a comical stage. You right. Know, and it's just kind of almost annoying. So he's he's trying to chase them down. And they run all through Universal Studios and they get on the tram, uh, which, mm-hmm. honestly, if – there's no way the tram would continue moving with those with people climbing over. Yes, everyone. climbing around everybody and acting like insane, insane guests that they were. Right. But whatever. Uh, I did like uh, the one shot that the first of all, all this insanity starts happening in the back, and the guy who's doing the announcements is either not paying attention or yeah. doesn't care. Then when it gets closer, he starts yeah. screaming, "Sit down and have fun! Yeah. Why can't you just <laughs> sit down and have fun?" Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, apparently the dad and Nick also made it to Universal Studios at this perfect timing as uh-huh. well. And so every, it's just a big old chase scene. Uh, they end up kind of going through, I guess it's the I guess it's the King Kong ride or something. Yeah. Which I honestly, I saw a lot of flames. I first thought it was backdraft. Oh. But it, it's not the backdraft, which, was, which would be awesome. That'd be a little bit scary for <laughs> a kid to run through. Um, which... Uh, that's when I think of Universal Studios. Probably the backdraft. It's not even a ride. You know, right. whatever the, the experience. Yeah, it's probably it's probably my favorite thing that I've ever done. You know, really? I've only done it a few times. You didn't I've, like backdraft? I don't know if I ever saw it. Oh, and I've never been to Universal Studios. Oh, you hadn't? Not the not the one in California. Oh, okay. Like I really, I definitely liked the backdraft experience, and I don't remember it at all. The movie is a damn good movie, and it's one that I think gets. Uh, gets overshadowed a lot and I honestly I haven't seen it in I don't know maybe a decade mm. and I probably I, it makes me want to go back and watch that the film because I know I remember it being like a you know an, an intense movie mm-hmm. at some points and being a very good movie it's Ron Howard it's a right. really fucking good film 
that backdraft attraction at Universal lasted way longer than like <laughs> the memory of the film did. Right. No one knew what the hell backdraft was, but they were going and doing this thing. Right. And I think I think that's ultimately why they got rid of it. And I think they turned it into like the Transformers or that oh. space went to became like, you know, the Transformers yeah. like, digital ride or whatever. It just I want I want to go back and watch Backdraft. <laughs> so wasn't really much one for our childhood, but it might just be one that I watch yeah. on my own for fun. Uh, but the kids are running around in the backstage area of this of the King Kong ride. Much like that institute, there is no security <laughs> at Universal Studios. Right. Because there's, I mean, one, there's no way. There would be, like, either mechanics or right. other people, like, you know, running stuff behind the, the scenes. Or, like, people who watch out for jumpers, you know. Right. Uh, people who are hopping off. Especially uh, when there's the fire involved. Yeah, exactly. But whatever. The kids kind of end up getting backstage and they're... Happened to be like on top of where the tournament is, just kind of magically. Somehow, it didn't. That didn't make any damn sense. Yeah. But and and the kids end up getting away from Putnam and going down this elevator thing, uh, and that's kind of really all we get right now. Um, and so the final stage is about to start. Uh, the announcer, who I can't really remember what he was from, but I, I liked him. I, I feel like I've seen him in other stuff, but he did a de- decent job. Huh. Um, and he's all worried right now because it's like, well, where the fuck's this third kid? Right. Uh, but anyway, so he announces the brand new game. And he announces Super Mario Brothers 3. So this is the brand new game that no one's played, and they are going to debut right mm-hmm. here. Which you know, I think you know Nintendo here is kind of help helping boost the the. Nintendo I think th- what yeah. this movie didn't do for the Power Glove, it did do for Super Mario Brothers 3, because yeah. that was probably one of the most popular, yeah, you know, iterations of that game ever. Yeah, I, I think I mean. It's, that's it was one it of the was, highest. It was their best-selling so, one yeah. up to that point, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It might be one of the more popular ones, other than Mario Kart. Well, actually, so Super Mario Brothers three is it's one of the best-selling Nintendo games of all time. It's actually number seven mm-hmm. on their list. I'll kind of run through it just because I've got it in front of me. I'll start with I'll start with number ten. The number ten. Here's our top ten <laughs> Nintendo best-selling games of all time. Number ten is Pokemon Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. Uh, with 36 million, I never played those. Number nine is Mario Kart, Mario Kart for the Wii with 37.1 million. Uh, eight is Super Mario Brothers 2 with 38.39 million, which I actually I I liked Super Mario Brothers 2. I know it got a lot of shit because it's so different, but I kind of like it. It's a very different, fun we game. We didn't own it, so I didn't play no, it a lot. So I, I, I had friends who had it, and I definitely played it, and I. I very much liked it because it was very different. But I kind of like it. It's got a whole story behind it mm-hmm. that it's actually like a like a stage act or something. Like it's, right. it's a movie or something. I can't remember, like within the universe of Mario. It's kind of cool. And then Super Mario Brothers 3 is number seven, okay. all-time Nintendo, with 39.5. And then it goes Pokemon Gold Silver, and then Tetris is five. Wii Fit is four. Pokemon Red, Green, Blue, and Yellow. Shit, they just put them all out for 59 million uh, the original Super Mario Bros., which was packaged with the right. Nintendo, ended up selling 63 million. And the the best Nintendo selling game of all time is Wii Sports, but also because that was packaged with, with the, the Wii, Wii, and that sold yeah. like fucking firecracker. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes sense. But I do want to talk. I just want, I want to talk a little bit more about Super Mario Bros. Three in general because honestly, that is an amazing game. Yes. Like, we played the shit out of it. In my opinion, it's probably one of, like, it's, it's probably in my top ten of all time games. Right. And it's, for me, it's, like, it's the best Nintendo game, I, I think, easily for me. I know a lot of people might say, what the fuck about Legend of Zelda or right. other stuff like that. But for me, essential Nintendo 
is Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, yeah. That is such a good game. Yeah. Honestly, I think probably our sister was the best one at that game. She played it, I think, even more than, than either of us did. Probably. She played it a lot. I never actually – I got close to the end but never beat mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I'm, I, I saw her running through it quite a bit. So, But it was a fucking hell of a game. So much yeah. fun. So back at the tournament, <laughs> the final round is going. Everyone's cheering them on. Jimmy is kind of falling behind. He dies like a couple right. times, like, oh, shit. And somehow the kids in the audience seem to know a lot about this game that is being <laughs> debuted because they're telling him that he's got to go do, you got to get the, the to the warp zone. The warp zone. Like, yeah. Find the warp. How do they know about the they, warp? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. This is, this is where the advertising for Nintendo was genius. Yeah. Because they basically told these kids, anyone who saw this movie, hey, there's something here. Yeah, they get they give they, they show give away you a hints. few things. Yes. exactly. Like where you, you get you know the, your leaf and you can fly up and then go up the top and yeah. then down to get the magic flute. Yep. Uh, and that then they show that in this movie. Yeah, Jimmy finds like a couple different secret passages and he uses the flute and he finds the warp zone or right. whatever. And apparently this like shoots up his score and <laughs> Which I it, does, do it doesn't make it. any fucking sense. He ends up coming back in this dramatic fashion, but there is no. Other than, I guess, finding the warp zone. Right. Um, there's no, like, th- you know, Haley keeps screaming, get the star, get the star. Right. He doesn't even really end up getting a star ever. A star at the end. Yeah, they don't show, like, the three clicks. Yeah. Yet, like the uh, the Super Mario Bros. the slot machine at the end when you yes. get three things in a row. Like, he doesn't get, if he got, I would have understood if he ended up getting the warp machine power up and that slot machine star, and that was what boosted him at the end. But it wasn't. They just kind of, like, Made him win at the end. Right. It, it, it was honestly very anticlimactic how he won. <laughs> but whatever. He won the tournament. Good for Jimmy. Uh, on the drive home, we see, for me, this is one of my most memorable. For some reason. I do remember this one as well. Yeah. He sees these dinosaurs that are at Cabazon, uh, California, which is near Palm Springs. And actually, right now, that whole section is just, like, fully abandoned. Like, you can go check it out, and it's just, like. Almost oh. like a ghost town. Oh, really? Area. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it's it's just totally something, you know, it's still around, but, like, I think some of the dinosaurs are, like, missing heads, <laughs> and, you know, they're all bleached by the sun. Nothing has really been kind of kept up. Um, almost, yeah, pretty ghost towny, but you can you can go still go see them. Jimmy sees that, and here he's, again, he's bringing back, California, California, and he's super excited about it, and so they pull over, uh, and Jimmy runs inside the dinosaurs, and Jimmy kind of opens up his lunchbox and he's looking at the pictures of the family here at this dinosaur park. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did no one, when they pulled over, <laughs> remember this dinosaur park? Right. Like, no one brought it up like, oh, yeah, the dinosaurs. Of course Jimmy remembers this. Or, hey, here we are back at this place. Because the picture that he shows, honestly, they all look the exact same age that they <laughs> were. <laughs> they were all exactly the same age, which this was supposed to happen at least two years ago. Right. Because I think that's when she died or, or something like that. So this happened before that. Right. That kind of pissed me off that nobody seemed to remember this park except for Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. So a little, little bit of BS. I do want to say, I just look, happened to look this up uh, as we're talking. There is no way they would have actually passed by this dinosaur park. <laughs> On their way back, uh-huh. because yeah, it, Palm Springs is not on the way to Utah. Because you just take the 15 straight up yeah. to Utah, and it's on the 10, way east of yeah. LA. Exactly. I mean, they and they establish actually pretty good that this family lives in Utah. Yeah. Uh, and so they're heading towards Phoenix. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, those dinosaurs aren't cool enough to make sure you go out of your way that far. I guess. Eh. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. And so on the way back from L.A., there's yeah. no way they would have gone that direction. So whatever. Poking holes, people. Yeah. Poking holes. <laughs> and that's why this movie sucked. So I hadn't done that in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, Jimmy wants to leave this lunchbox with, you know, these memories at the dinosaur park. It's almost like spreading her ashes, right. you know, at this place. Which, honestly, I hope when he's older, he has, like, some copies, uh, you know, because he's going to want to look back and right. see some of that stuff. I think it's kind of shitty that he's just leaving it at the damn park. But but anyway, it's giving him closure. Yes. So that's that. Also, Jimmy wants to leave Jennifer's memory here because uh-huh. this is, like, one of the last places he remembers, you know, everybody being happy and together. Right. It's a special place that obviously she loved or something. Maybe they talked about it as twins or yeah. something. I don't know. Um, but they're driving back, and I just do want to say that the three kids, uh, Haley, Corey, and Jimmy, are all sitting in the back of the dad's truck, in the back of a pickup bed, uh-huh. with like it's like a you know a shitty strapped-on car seat, right? And they're just out in the open. There is no way that's legal, even right. with the little seats back there. And right. they're driving on the highway, going to be going at least like seventy miles an hour, right? Like. That is dangerous as hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, whatever. Uh, we got a pretty cheesy song playing at the end. Yeah. It's not terrible, but it's certainly not a good song by any means. And that's the wrap-up of The Wizard. And I really didn't see any magic, and so that really pissed me off. (laughs) Not a single wizard, not a a single uh, Wingardian Leviosa, uh, (laughs) none of that. But, you know. I do, I do love the video games in it. So, uh, if you don't mind, John, tell us, tell us your thoughts about those, and also tell us what uh, what your kids thought. Well, I will go ahead and say for my kids, the scenes that they only I think really were the most interested in were any of the ones involving the video games. That was really it. Although my daughter, I think, was paying more attention. Anytime something sad, and I think this is maybe this is just her. Anything, anytime something sad happens in a movie, she notices it. Mm. And so she notices it here too. Did she? Did she watch when uh, uh, Atreus' horse uh, Artex I died? I've not shown her that movie. <laughs> I don't know. We did show them that movie, but it was a couple of years ago, and so okay. she was way too young. Yeah, okay. It was more for my son, and he wasn't all that interested. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to go back and watch that again for her. <laughs> yeah, if you want to, we do need to scar her. <laughs> <laughs> I was worried that it was uh, it was going to be dated, and it is dated. There, you know, there's lots of storytelling problems with the movie. But I tell you what, man, the nostalgia flashbacks I had watching this movie—it's worth it to go back. I think just to watch it once. If you have, if it's been a long time since you've seen it, it's worth it to go back and just see it once, just to just to kind of get that nostalgia. Especially if you played the NES system, because that's that's what this what brought it to me. So yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was certain that I was not going to enjoy <laughs> the movie. I was really expecting this movie to kind of fall in line with Flight of the Navigator because right. it was honestly it kind of it's in the same vein for me around that right. time, and honestly, I was surprised. I, mm-hmm. I was I'm very similar with you. I did end up enjoying it mm-hmm. somewhat. Yes, <laughs> uh, it's not good enough to be in regular rotation. It's like it's like a solid C. Yeah, it's definitely a C. Where I'm not going to be putting it in my regular nostalgia rotation. It's not going to be something like. For me, like a never-ending story, which I will watch like every couple years mm-hmm. and be very, very happy about it. 
But the added nostalgia of the video games and playing Nintendo, what that gives to me is something that, you know, I could watch this movie maybe like once a decade. Mm -hmm. And that's a perfect amount. Yeah. Watch it once every 10 years and it'll flash back to when you were a kid playing NES. And that's fantastic. You know, this movie, this is not, it's not a gung-ho Oh man, I gotta go watch fucking The Wizard. Uh, <laughs> but it is a movie that, if you liked it as a kid, and if you liked Nintendo, if you are in that perfect niche, <laughs> yeah. then yeah, it's a movie to definitely go revisit once. Once, yes. Once. Rent it, don't buy it. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. Which I I owned it. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I own this one. Uh, so I was like, oh sweet, this is one I already own, and I haven't watched it in yeah. a long time. So uh, so, it was, but it was long enough to be. Uh, decent again, so. All right. And so now, Avada Kedavra! It's time to move on to the to the Wonder Years. <laughs> All right, and now we are going to talk about the Wonder Years. It ran from 1988 to 1993 on ABC. It lasted 115 episodes. This show starred Fred Savage, who plays Kevin Arnold, who is the character that Fred Savage is going to go down in history as, <laughs> yeah. honestly, he's just he's still Kevin Arnold for a lot of people. The show really starts with him kind of going into junior high, uh, which is seventh grade. Uh, I always hated how junior high, for me, I always, I mean, they turn it into middle school. You know, for right. me, middle school is sixth, seventh, and eighth. Junior high is just seventh and eighth. And I guess elementary went all the way to sixth. But, you know, whatever. Me being nitpicky, but right. <laughs> no. So yeah, so that's him starting his junior high years. The show also starred Danica McKellar, who played Winnie Cooper. She was the main love interest in the show for Kevin Arnold, and honestly, she was probably the main love interest for a lot of kids. Uh, <laughs> and you know, in in the eighties, myself included, she was she was adorable. Yeah, absolutely. And even in that in the first episode, did you watch episode one? Yes. Okay. And in that first one, they kind of already established like. Oh, she was a younger kid who grew up with Kevin, yeah. and then by junior high, she was already kind of getting hotified a little bit or whatever. You know, she was <laughs> right. she was kind of you know this is it's a coming of age show, right? And she was kind of growing into her own, and you could kind of see Kevin getting a little like, whoa, hey, Winnie, uh, I didn't realize you were getting so hot, but uh, but there's you know they have their whole dynamic. We'll talk about in a second. This show also starred Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern uh, is the voice. He yeah. is older Kevin. He's the narrator. Uh, and he had a really good voice for it. It worked. Uh, you know, yeah. He had a very regular guy voice, but he's very easy to listen to. And he's, he's very comical. Daniel Stern is awesome. Mm-hmm. The way that they did storytelling in this show worked really well with the narration uh, in general. Yes. Like, the way that they added Daniel Stern's VO, it added different aspects to the show. You know, you could hear, you got you got the inner monologue of Kevin. You could understand more about the character, and you could like know where he's coming from. Where if you didn't have that, you would just have to infer it or right. figure it out. Here, you're getting it, and so you like you can get you know extra bits of comedy in because of that, right. or just other little things that he's actually thinking of. And it it worked really really well. And I think a lot of other shows kind of took that and kind of ran with it, and it kind of changed how some shows really worked. Yeah. Wonder Years also stars Dan Loria. He plays the dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in a ton of little small parts, but yeah. n- nothing that I is really worth mentioning out. Yeah. Similar enough with uh, Allie Mills, who plays the mom, Norma. Uh, similar, yeah, she's just kind of been in a bunch of stuff, uh, but nothing that I'm going to really call out. And Jason Hervey plays the brother, Wayne Arnold, who really hasn't done too much else no. other than that. I think we saw him in we- Monster the, Squad. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's a bully in Monster Squad. Yep. Um, and he's kind of an asshole bully in this show as well. 
uh, realizing I didn't, he looks like he's much older than his brother, but he's actually only, he has to be just one year. Yeah. Because he's in eighth grade, because he goes to the same junior high that uh, Kevin does. Right. So, but also Kevin's kind of a squirt. He's kind of like a little smaller, so I guess that's why they have such a height difference. Yeah. Yeah, the show, basically, it, it chronicled, you know, the youth of Kevin Arnold, told through, uh, you know, his older self, kind of like looking back at his wonder years. Yeah, kind of reminds me a lot of uh, Stand By Me. Okay, you get some maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do get that same, that narration. Yeah. Um, which came out earlier, so maybe that was a bit of an influence, because that came Possible. out, I think it was 86 or so, yeah. and this is 89. Oh, no, no, this is 88 when this but started, yeah. Still. So a little bit, yeah, afterwards. Uh, but also similar enough with, like, Sandlot, you get a little bit of that, too. Right. Things like that. Uh, and the, the show kind of starts in 68, and I think it runs to 73. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the span of the, the history of the show. So it's a, it's a period piece, you know, back in an easier time. And it, what, what I thought was kind of funny was I think in, in episode one, it made me think of the way I talk about my youth uh-huh. is the way – very similar to the way, like, he was talking about his youth. Right. And – he said something like, "I was walking down the street, and this was a time when you could walk around this walk around the street as a ten-year-old kid without being worried of being taken." Yeah, uh, or something. And you know, when I think of my childhood, <laughs> I was like, "I wouldn't have a ten-year-old kid walk around on their own today." But back in my day, right. when I was ten, I could walk around outside in the dark alone, and it was fine. Right. And it's just, you know, I think every once you get to an old fogey stage, like <laughs> we we all think we all think our childhood was so much safer and so much better. Right, and, and all it stuff. probably and, really was. And honestly. I'm sure, you know, childhood kidnapping is far less now than it was back then. Or right. other stuff. Things are, are safer now, even though, you know, we hear about more stuff. But right. anyway, it's just kind of funny. We all think the same. Yeah. <laughs> a couple interesting facts, or at least one interesting fact. Uh, the role of Winnie Cooper, obviously Danica McKellar, it ended up coming down between Danica and her younger sister, who's only younger by one year, uh-huh. Crystal McKellar. They were the last two that... Almost huh. got the parts. The producers ended up going with Danica, but they created a different color, a different character later, and uh, let Crystal play that. Huh. So I thought that was kind of funny that two sisters had to kind of battle for <laughs> the main the main interest in this yeah. show. Rewatching this, uh, it definitely made me realize just what an asshole Wayne is. <laughs> he is the brother. Wayne? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, the little brother. What a he's a little he's a little dick. Well, Kevin's kind of an asshole too. Yeah, yeah, he he was a smart ass. Yeah, he's more of a smart ass. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, he uh, God, he shit all over Winnie he, a lot. Yeah, especially in that or that first episode. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and we um, my intention was to watch like a few episodes mm-hmm. here and there. But when we started it, my wife was like, no, we, we're going to go through it. So I only made it through the first season. Oh, okay. I All didn't right. get it past the first season. But even yeah. then, like, he, Does like, he? Winnie gets shit on a lot yeah. and needlessly. So maybe Kevin Arnold started negging. Maybe, like, the whole idea of how to get a girl by negging her, maybe that's, maybe that's, he started that whole thing. That is, I would not put that <laughs> yeah. past him. Uh, I didn't watch all of season one. I watched the first episode, right? And then I watched like one from season three, and I think one from season five or mm-hmm. something like that. So I kind of I jumped around, yeah. And it is kind of funny. You see Fred Savage growing up, and yeah. his, I, you know, and especially because I skipped multiple years, right? It's like holy shit, your voice is deeper. And then <laughs> another season later, like holy shit, you definitely have like a little bit of chest hair, right. <laughs> and your voice is actually really adult now. Yeah. Uh, and it is kind of it's funny, you know, seeing them age. And if you saw them every week for like those five, six years, yeah, that that's definitely something. Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say like a 50s nuclear family, but it was kind of similar enough to that. Mm-hmm. You had the, the dad and the mom, very, very white suburbanite family. Uh, the dad, at least early on, 
mm-hmm. at least in that episode one, was very, very stern, very harsh. Yeah. He, he kind of lightens up later on. And they kind of like, you know, they kind of figure out the kind of character that they want there. But they started right. him off as kind of like that, you know, he's kind of a hard ass, dad's home, don't fuck with dad kind of thing. You know, and mom is definitely the, the keeper of the house. And, right. you know, you know she's, she's the one who's doing everything for everybody pretty much. Uh, and they have this older hippie sister <laughs> who honestly, I don't, I mean, I didn't watch, I watched like just bits and pieces, but I, I watched some of this as uh-huh. a kid. This wasn't one of my go-to shows. Right. But that sister wasn't anyone I remembered at all. Like was she, yeah, I, 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 I forgot she was a character. I did too. Yeah. I forgot she was there. So, I mean, as a, what was your knowledge base or like what, what was your interaction with the show when you were younger? I think it was just sort of a, if I happened to catch it on mm-hmm. and there was nothing else on. Yeah, I would watch it. Yeah, it, it wasn't one that we followed every week. No, um, but I mean, if, 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 yeah, I'd probably the same way. Like, if it was on, you know, it wasn't wasn't one I was going to shy away from. Right. But it wasn't. I wasn't invested in in the Wonder Years like a lot of people were. But honestly, this show just ties. It's Fred Savage, so we had to put it with the Wizard. Right. And I was invested in the Wizard as a kid. So, yes. Uh, so we just had to we had to put it with it. <laughs> if you hadn't planned on it already um i do want to talk about the theme song oh yeah so the theme song they use i thought for the longest time i thought was the actual joe cocker version it's it's, in wikipedia it says it is okay well it's i think it's in it doesn't sound exactly like joe cocker i think it was like an old an older recording older studio recording or something okay because the one that we know like the very famous one yeah is definitely not doesn't sound the same as that one so yeah yeah but yeah, because it's definitely it sounds like the Joe Cocker version of that song, which is a Beatles song that he covered. Yeah, so. I mean it's because I think they used like yeah that one specific recording or whatever. Like I think that older version, it sounds like someone ripping off the Joe Cocker right. version. But at least on Wikipedia, I don't know, and I trust that without having to worry about <laughs> shit uh, that it says it was the Joe Cocker version. Okay, and maybe it was. There's just a studio version I wasn't familiar with. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam, the editor, is cutting in with some interesting facts here. So John and I were actually correct in realizing that this is not right. Uh, I was actually, I'm wrong, it's not Joe Cocker as some other studio album. Um, Apparently, here's the story, the producers did not have the rights to Joe Cocker's version of, with a little help from my friends, for streaming. You know, when they got the original rights for this show, that was way before anybody thought streaming video was going to be a real thing. And so they didn't have the money for that and they didn't they didn't plan for that. And so they did end up using a different version and not Joe Cocker's version for the theme song. So the original theme song that played when the show came out was this Joe Cocker version. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing you a song. I will try not to sing out of key. Oh, baby, how And then if you go on streaming on Hulu right now, this is the version that you will hear. What would you do if I sang on a tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Lend me your ears and I'll sing your song. I will try not to sing out of key. Oh! 
Yeah, that second version's not nearly as good, right? All right, anyway, back to the show. But I agree that it sounded it sounded off enough that I was just like, oh, they had somebody else do this. <laughs> and I tell you what, though, I, I became more familiar with that version of the song than when I finally heard the Beatles version of the song. I'm like, this isn't right. What would you think if I sang out a tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is his song. I mean, they're exactly like all along the Watchtower is not Bob Dylan's song anymore. That's Jimi Hendrix's song with a little help from my friends is a Joe Cocker song. That is not a Beatles song. (laughs) And granted, the Beatles stole enough from blues people. They can have some people steal some shit from them. But that is that is a classic TV theme song, and like the, not even just the, like the intro in mm-hmm. general. Yeah, um, it works really well. I think a lot of people know it and love it, and I yeah. think it's even like ranked. You know, I, I can't remember who like TV Guide or something ranked like the top 100, and this was like probably number. I think it was between like 17 or 20 something or whatever right. of like the uh, you know top intros right. TV show intros of all time. Well, it's good. It's like home video, yeah, and that sort of thing. It, it is a good intro. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it, yeah, I agree. So. When I think The Wonder Years, probably the first thing that comes into my head is Kevin and Winnie yep. and their relationship. Like, they're a classic TV couple, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, they are, I mean, not Desi and Lucy when the with the will they, won't they, but it's very similar to Ross and Rachel, Ross and Rachel to Jim and Pam of The Office, you know, and, and, and I think a show that stole a lot from this, they are like Corey and Topanga from Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. It's very much a will they, won't they, back and forth and back and forth. And they had quite a bit of, and the, you know, you know, the whole audience once they know that they should be together, right. and then they're not sometimes, and then they are, yeah. And like that, when I think of it, like that is one of the essential parts of this show uh-huh. is their relationship, and it's what I like about it in this stage, very similar to kind of Corey and Topanga, is it is the coming of age time when you're first starting to think of the opposite sex or the same sex or whatever, right? And you're getting those feelings, and you don't really know what to do, and it's awkward. And so people kind of know that feeling, and they tie into it, and it, and they like it. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then, so yeah, it grabs you, and it makes you feel for that relationship that you might not with other stuff. I do want to call out, we brought up Ross and Rachel. Yeah. They are one of my least favorite fucking TV couples of all time <laughs> because they never should have happened. Ross is a selfish asshole. <laughs> if you watch that show, and yeah, uh, my wife really enjoys Friends, and actually she agrees with me on this aspect – that one, Ross doesn't deserve Rachel one little bit. He is a very, he's possessive. He's selfish. Like he is a straight up jerk to her. Like he's always constantly berating her. And it, but it's always about really his own selfishness or, or his him being overprotective. Yeah. And, and for some reason, like the audience ate it up and loved that. And they shipped that relationship. <laughs> they shipped it. And it pisses me off. At the end where she chose him over France. What the fuck, Rachel? That was bullshit. <laughs> I hate them together. It's, it's utter crap. <laughs> That's my two cents on that. All right. Uh, this show had some pretty good side characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to bring up. Uh, we saw uh, Ben Stein. He he was one of the teachers. Mm-hmm. He was a science teacher in the, the show. Uh, also, another one of the teachers was uh, Richard Picardo oh. who, uh, from Star Trek Voyager, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he was, like I think, the doctor in that one. Or? Yep. He was yeah. the doctor. He was uh, also the cowboy in Inner Space. Oh, that's right. Oh, shit. We've got to do interspace. (laughs) 
You'll put it on the schedule. Yeah, fuck. I think it's on there. It's 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 deep. Uh, probably it's, deep. It's deep down there, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, also, Giovanni Rabisi has multiple, a multiple reoccurring character in this show. But yeah, so there's some good side characters. Uh, the show won a few Emmys. I think it, yeah, won multiple for like outstanding comedy series. Okay. But also, Fred Savage was uh, at the age of 13 became the youngest actor ever nominated for an Emmy in uh, Outstanding Lead Actor for oh, a wow. comedy series. So yeah, good for him. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This show had a great soundtrack. They they used a lot of you know those late 60s, 70s, uh, just popular songs. Yeah. Um, it wasn't even just like you know with a little help of my friends. They they added in a bunch of different things. Yeah. That kind of honestly it put the audience you know into that space. Right. And you know you. It's kind of interesting, you know, yeah, we're talking nostalgia, but this show is set in the past, and so people watching it in the 80s could feel nostalgic for yes. those things. Yeah, and, I imagine adults who yeah, watched that. Exactly. I completely identified with a lot of, you know. And that's probably why it was so popular for, like, the first four or five years that it was on yeah. for, for a good while. Yeah. And, yeah, because people got and, that stuff. And why shows like Stranger Things and the yeah. Goldbergs are popular now because they take play or you know, they take place in the times of our childhood. Exactly. And so... And now we're the ones with we're the, the target. Yeah, yeah, we're the target audience. We're the ones who are buying the cable subscriptions or the yes. Netflix subscriptions, and so they have to pander to us and our yeah. nostalgia. <laughs> and that's why we're getting so many fucking comic book movies right now that are yeah. huge, because we're taking our kids to it, or we're going to see it, Yep. because, uh, yeah, we're, the, we're in power now. It's not the fucking baby boomers. They're getting old and dying off. It's our time. <laughs> so... Yeah, the show in general, I'll just kind of wrap into my final thoughts... Uh, the show is pretty solid. For me, it's not going to be one that I'm really going to go and revisit. Right. I really only saw it, you know, in, in happenstance here and there when I was younger, so I don't have a huge nostalgic feel for it. And honestly, I wasn't around in the 60s and <laughs> 70s, so I don't have a huge nostalgic love right. for the time that they're talking about. Yeah. But the show is solid. I mean, I do like the relationship between Kevin and Winnie. Uh, you know, I definitely – I wouldn't say – that Danica McKellar was one of my crushes when I was younger, but I can totally see why she was for a lot of mm -hmm. kids, and probably for people who are older than me, that when they saw like this, yes, yeah. when they were older, they were already having those feelings when I was too young to have them. Right. Um, but, you know, one, and Danica, Danica McKellar, one, she's one, she's smart as a fucking woman. I think she has a PhD in mathematics. Uh, right. She's definitely, I know she's written some, some books on mathematics. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure, but I'm fairly certain that she has she probably does. a PhD in it. And she's also she's also hot as shit too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but she's awesome. So I totally see the draw, you know, towards her when you were younger, uh, you know, having having kind of this this teen crush. Right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rewatch this thing. This is not one that I'm gonna go back and really watch it through. Um, I'm pretty much only gonna ever see this again if it's on and like other people are watching it and I just kind of happen to be in the room, right. I'm not going to be mad. I'll certainly pay attention. Right. There was some good humor in it. Yeah. I, I think the writing really worked. It was still pretty, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say topical, but I'd say the humor lasted and the writing lasted and the situations that they were getting into were things that people could still relate to even to today. Mm -hmm. So if you were a fan when you were younger, I would say this probably – would hold up, and I and I saw it on uh, Hulu. So if you have yeah. Hulu, you can watch the whole series, and yep. it's probably good for you. I was probably a little too young to have that nostalgia right. factor for it, but if you love it, I would say go for it. Right. Well, and that's why you know we we we're still on. We just finished season one because and it hit. I think it hit the nostalgia hit my wife a little bit harder than it hit me. Mm -hmm. 
Because, again, I was sort of like, eh. I remember watching it. I was like, yeah, I watched a few episodes here and there. She was the one who was like, no, let's go through the whole thing. Yeah, I pretty much everything you said I'm going to agree with. There's, you know, I don't really feel like restating the obvious, so. Once again, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> And now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are going to be casting a Super Mario Brothers movie. Not a recasting, a retelling of the the movie from the 90s or whenever it was. I can't remember. Yeah, it needs. To, it would need to be a whole new script. Yes. Like, it cannot be that same script. Right. Which <laughs> is is why when I when I put in for the casting that I also uh, included characters that were not in the movie. Yeah. So made, to differentiate it from that. Um, it, actually, some of the characters I added may make it a little bit more difficult a movie, yeah. but, you know. Dennis Hopper is fucking King Koopa. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. Ugh. So, uh, for this one, uh, we're going to be f- casting, obviously, Mario, Luigi, Princess Peach, Toadstool, Yoshi, and just for fun, I added in Wario and Bowser. So, I think we'll probably go in reverse order from that one. Uh, start with our bad guys. I'm gonna go ahead and jump in with my Bowser. In this day and age, it's probably if we're if we're keeping somewhat true to what they are, you know, Bowser's gonna be a CG character probably. Yeah. Um, however, I'm still thinking uh, motion, probably motion capture and the voice. So I want it to be the same. Whoever does the motion capture, I want it to be the same actor. Oh, okay. Um, you know, kind of how. Uh, and I'm just gonna bring this up because you like bringing this up. How Benedict Cumberbatch was Smaug and Smaug. he and he actually did the motion yeah. capture for the uh, for the dragon. There's some good clips of him yeah. <laughs> and his faces that he makes. Yeah, yeah. So I actually went with not a hugely well known actor, but one that I've seen in a hundred different things. Almost always playing a bad guy. He's got a super deep voice and somewhat of a distinctive face. That. Probably won't play too much in the CG, but I actually went with actor Brian Thompson. Yes, yes, I have seen it. He was Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat 2. Yes, that piece of shit film. Yes, yes, he does have a very deep voice. Yeah, he's not done too much recently, uh, anything big, but that is, that is, I do totally remember him from from Mortal Kombat 2, Annihilation. Yeah. I've seen him in about 100 different uh, TV shows and stuff. Yeah, oh, I'm like, sure. Yeah, popping in his bad guys and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, he, he could be an imposing. Character for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I went with uh, I think a little bit 
better named voice person. Well, he's not really a voice person, but I, I well, I think of him as a voice actor because he's got a fantastic voice. He's maybe a little bit more heroic, but I think he would be a great villain voice. I know him best as Goliath from Gargoyles. Mm. I went with Keith David as my Bowser. And I, <laughs> I, I don't, for me, he wouldn't do motion capture. It would be a complete different actor okay. and full CG work. Right. And Keith David just does the voice. And okay. So, so well, that's, that's my Bowser. That's fair. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm never going to knock yeah. Keith David. <laughs> Shit. For anything. Yeah. Everything he does is is great. He plays the same character on TV all the time, yeah. and I'm still happy to see him. Oh, yeah. shit, it's Keith David here. Yeah. Sweet. This is going to be good. I will never knock that. Yeah, he immediately immediately <laughs> elevates pretty much everything. Exactly. All right, so Wario. That's actually not a character I'm overly familiar with because I didn't play a lot of the games that yeah. Wario was in. Yeah, I'm with you. I stopped kind of before the, the Warios and the, the Waluigis and yeah. that kind of stuff. But... You can't. I don't think you can't just have one bad guy. Sometimes yeah. you got to have two. He be, or he could be, you know, maybe like a character that kind of comes in near the end, or you get like a little extra bonus that right. comes in for like the second, the teases, next movie. Yeah. Teases the next movie. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, I'll let you jump in with okay. this first one. You'll find out the route I went. I, I honestly tried to think how I wanted this movie to go. If I wanted to be a more serious take mm-hmm. on Mario. But when I thought about it, like I could, you can't do a serious <laughs> take on Mario. Mario is silly. It's a it's a silly character. Like the whole world is kind of silly. Yeah. Um, and it's fun. It's just silly and fun. And I tried to think of it. They could make it fun, kind of like how they did the the more recent Jumanji movie. Like okay. it, it'd be a similar style where it, yeah. they might have some like comedy action. Yeah. And they they did it perfectly in that movie, which I was yeah. surprised at how much I enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had a my film is kind of going in a similar vibe, so I cast The Rock. As no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh no, I cast uh Seth Rogen as oh, my Wario. Uh I mean, he would have to lay off the pot for this film, but I think he could do Really with a character named Toadstool? Yeah. Yeah, all the mushrooms. All the mushrooms. Uh so I did Seth Rogen and I and and if you wanted to have a Waluigi, you would have James Franco as right. Waluigi, and they would kind of be partners. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't know. I, it made more sense for me. I cast my Mario before I cast my Wario. And so with my Mario, who he was, I was like, eh, maybe Seth Rogen, because they kind of have to look somewhat similar. Uh-huh. They, I mean, they're not like twins or anything, but you know, he's kind of like the evil version of Mario. Right. So Seth Rogen it is kind of like, you know, an evilish version of who my Mario is, I kind of feel. Uh, so anyway, yeah. My, okay. Mine's Seth Rogen. So you get the idea of yeah. the route I'm taking. Yes. Oddly enough, I didn't necessarily see this as a serious movie, mm. but I did pick someone who was probably a little bit more serious than an actor yeah. to play Wario. Uh, I went with the Hound from Game of Thrones, <laughs> oh, Rory McCann. Shit. Well, he, he can do both. I mean, he's. I've seen him do some comical stuff before. Yeah. He used to be a big, uh, big time singer. He was a. Oh. He was like a, a pop star. What? In England, yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, we went in very different directions. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did not. I was not expecting that, but that'd be interesting. He'd be. He'd make it scary. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be <laughs> a at villain. Least, at least good. intense. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So now we're up at Yoshi. I, I, you know. He's not much of a character, but he's a pretty beloved figure yeah. from Mario, so I felt felt it was it was worth it to to include him here. Um, I'll go ahead and jump in with this one. I was just thinking 
voice actor. I don't remember Yoshi talking at all. He kind of says his own name every now and then. Yes. Yoshi! Something like that. <laughs> or maybe that was more Mario. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I went with a voice actor who is very well known at making animal noises. No, it's not Frank Walker. I went with D. Bradley Baker. Oh, D. Bradley Baker. Yeah. Yeah, he does like the platypus. He's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah. That's a good call. That's a good call. Because uh, I went with a voice actor who's very well known for making animal voices, and I did go with Frank Welker. <laughs> okay. I'm very excited to pick Frank Welker for something. Yes. Uh, that's my first time, I think, maybe casting Frank yes. Welker. I think he would be, I mean, both of the either of them would be a fantastic yeah. Yoshi, uh, and they would be able to make, you know, any of those kind of silly voices that you would want out of it. Right. So. And chances are, they both would be involved in the movie just to make ambient noises in the background anyway. Yeah. And I was, honestly, I was about almost going to cast Frank Welker as both Yoshi and Bowser. Oh. I was going to do him for Bowser oh, for as well. deep voice? Yes, because he has a great, and particularly what I was thinking of, his voice for... Um, Dr. Claw? Not do- Well, similar to Dr. Claw, but I was thinking uh, from Dino Riders. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the main villain in Dino Riders. <laughs> the Meloians are still within range. Don't let them escape. Engage Tractor Beam now! But honestly, for this film, I felt you have to have a bigger star to play Bowser to kind of help draw. Okay. So, but, but yeah, Frank Frank Rogers, my Yoshi. Cool. Awesome. All right. And we're at Toadstool. Mm-hmm. Adam, I'll let you start with Toadstool. Okay. Uh, or just Toad. Toad, if yeah. You will. Toad, that's what I just call him. But uh, so he's like a he's like a little servant of mm-hmm. Princess Peach, who used to be called Princess Toadstool, but now she's called Princess Peach. Yeah. Toad's tiny little person. Mm-hmm. I went with a little person, but Toad is kind of a badass when you push him hard enough, and he's definitely comical. So I went with a definitely comical actor who I think would be a great Toad. I went with Martin Kleba. Oh, yeah. yeah. Martin Kleba's great. That'd be cool. I think Martin Kleba. Yeah, that would be a badass Toad. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that would definitely be a badass Toad. Um, I went. Uh, I also went with a little person because okay. I, I thought it, it needed to yeah. – to work with that, and I, but I went with uh, I, I went not so tough looking yeah, yeah. per se, uh, but I went with someone who was just in a, a movie that got great reviews. I saw it; it was okay. wasn't something I was really that interested in. But he did a really good job. I actually went with the actor Sam Humphrey, who was in the film The Greatest Showman. He played uh, Tom Thumb. Okay, I have not seen that movie, but I've heard good things about that film. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say sure. Okay, I haven't I haven't seen anything he's done. I don't think. He's only done a couple I, things. I think he's an Australian actor. Okay. Yeah, I don't know his stuff, but I will trust your judgment. Okay. All right, and since we just uh, mentioned uh, Princess Peach, we'll go ahead and start with Princess Peach. I'll go ahead and name mine. I'm a little on the fence about mine, whether or not I think she fits. You know, she's a she's a pretty blonde. That's kind of what I went with. So uh, I heard, I, you know, Princess Peach's hair seems to be like like big. Yeah. Or just a lot of it. And I don't know what she'd look like with a lot of that hair. Maybe maybe she wouldn't go that route. But I actually went with Amanda Seyfried. Oh, okay. She's a really good actress. Yeah. Yeah. She's. I mean, she brings, like, Oscar-level acting to yeah. your mind. But she's done comedy, too. I mean, she was in, uh, 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 what's his name, Seth Seth MacFarlane's uh, A Million Ways to Die in the World. Oh, and that's pretty recent. Okay. I yeah. mean, obviously, she was in Mean Girls, too, a long time ago. Yeah. I'm sure she could do, do good stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she was in Ted 2, as well. Okay, well then, yeah, she probably would probably would work pretty well. Yeah, and she's done stuff with CG characters then, so that might make sense. Sure. I went with, uh, yeah, a very attractive blonde, as well, because Peach. What I tried to tie into is um, at least when I think of also things like Smash Brothers or things like that. Right. Peach 
know, in in the at least the original game, Peach is just the damsel in distress right. that you know Bowser grabs and moves around, and, and right. just you have to save her from it. Uh, but at times, and in the in the series, you know, Peach can be a badass. Right. And I think they would probably they shouldn't just do the damsel in distress in whatever movie this is. Right. Or maybe that's part of it. Right. And at some point, Bowser's got to take Peach. Right. Um, but I hopefully she'd be a little bit more badass. So I went with a very attractive blonde who has shown one very good range. She definitely can do comedy. She can definitely do action. She, I know, has worked with probably like some CG characters before uh, in plenty of stuff. And she's pretty badass. I went with, with Jennifer Lawrence as my, okay. as my Princess Peach. I'm not sure she she nails the look that I right. wanted, but I don't know. Okay. I, and, it, and, I'm, and it mine's an off-the-wall kind of comedy anyway. I, I just had this thought. I don't know if you would agree with this. In her prime, Kim Basinger. Maybe. She she has a, a good look. You know who who came to my mind that I almost wanted to change to? Uh, was Sarah Michelle Gellar, like even younger. Okay. She, she's blonde. She's a little badass, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sold on really any of any our of peaches. <laughs> yeah. None of our. I, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe we might have to get help with that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and now we're going to go to our, our brothers, and we'll start with Luigi. I'm going to go ahead and start. I'm going to say this. It was a very hard time because Mario and Luigi are very distinctive, mm-hmm. and nobody in real life looks like the way they really look. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went for a fun factor with it. Okay. A little bit. I can never remember if Mario or Luigi is supposed to be the older one. Which I, one? And yeah. so I actually went with Luigi being the younger one. That's what I imagine is the case. Okay. I, that's, I've always thought Mario is the older and Luigi's the younger brother. I thought. But I, I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't know the canon. Right. But that's how I imagined it. Yeah. So I went with someone who in the past played very famously an Italian person. Well, the, the Italian person was not famous. But he played an Italian in a fairly well-known movie. However, it's it's I'm kind of going obscure with this one. Uh, the and the movie that he was in was My Cousin Vinny. I went with Ralph Macchio oh. as Luigi. <laughs> You're really pulling that yeah the Italian yeah, side know. in there. Well, he because he talks with an Italian accent in that one. Yeah, which is weird because I did not do the same thing for my Mario <laughs> casting. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean. These these are these are tough castings. They are very tough castings. <sighs> yeah. Because I also have to imagine with a with a with a mustache and yeah. And I'm trying to think like honestly, just trying to think like how the movie plays off and stuff like that as well. I mean, well, in the in the movie original movie, it was uh, John Leguizamo. Yeah, which was Luigi. Very uh, and Bob Hoskins. Yeah, as Mario. <laughs> yeah, Bob Hoskins. A Latino uh, and an Englishman playing Italians, yeah, or Italian Americans, really. Yeah, I didn't really hit the Italian side. I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Ralph Macchio. I don't love it. I don't okay. hate it. I think if you're gonna, you're have, probably gonna hate my Mario. If you're gonna have Ralph Macchio, hopefully Luigi will just be kind of like a an okay side character, and you're not having too much from. I don't think Ralph Macchio is strong enough as an actor to to help really. Lead I don't know. Your Did movie. you see Cobra Kai? I saw Cobra Kai. I saw uh, the free versions. I didn't okay. see. I didn't see. I didn't pay for anymore. I, I actually. I think oh, the other guy. His act. The other guy's acting is better than Ralph. Billy Zabka. Yeah, Zabka's acting is better than than Ralph Macchio's. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm not sold on it. Okay. I, I mean, that's fine. I like. I like that you went the Italian route because I didn't go the Italian route at all. Okay. I went with like the taller, skinny comedy route. Okay. Um, and I went with I went with Jason Siegel. I'm just throwing out. Oh. I don't know. Uh, yeah. He's tall. He's definitely skinnier than my mom, than my Mario. Right. Uh, he could be comical and over the top and funny. Okay. I mean, from 
How I Met Your Mother. He he's done a lot of comedy right. stuff and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So I mean, that's again, this that kind of just fits with my version, you know, with my Wario being Seth Rogen, right? Um, you know, I think even my Princess Peach's Jennifer Lawrence would be, you know, could be funny. And then Jason Siegel being Luigi would would fit. So all right, okay. I, I know that's that's not like yeah, I'm not I'm not grasping on that one either. But, right? Yeah. Well, if you didn't like my Luigi, you're probably not gonna like my Mario either. Did, did you go with the other guy from Cobra Kai? Did you go? No, okay. I didn't go with those other guys. Yeah. I I don't know if this guy. I just went with a guy who was rounder. It wasn't even that he was shorter. Uh-huh. He was rounder. Danny DeVito. No, <laughs> he's round. He's also really short. He's tiny. Uh, no, I I went with John Favreau. Uh, I don't know. I I don't hate that one. I haven't seen him do much acting. I guess he's been acting in like some of the in the Avengers and right. I know that he's playing. He's had a few movies oh, come out. Yeah. And the sure movie Chef. That movie oh, Chef that's come right. Out. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, the Netflix. I didn't see it. But I didn't either. That's I heard, right. I heard it didn't do that well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I do remember he was in it. Yeah. Um, he is round, and he's a good actor. Yeah. I don't I don't dislike him as an actor. I don't know if he's a big enough name for – for. Mm. I mean, but, I mean, that's not all that big of a deal. This is your cast. The draw, so. Well, the draw for this movie, I don't think, is – yeah, we don't need a good cast to sell Super yeah, Mario. Bob, Bob Hoskins is not a big enough name that right. people were like, or even John Leguizamo. No, really. The name is Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. People are, you know, it's like the Avengers. People are going to see the Avengers because it's the Avengers, yeah. not because it's Josh Brolin playing Thanos. Yeah, uh, I probably I like your John Favreau as Mario better, better than, than I, than I, than I like Ralph, Ralph okay. Macchio as Luigi. So I'm not super opposed to that. Okay, super opposed. So actually, I want to see from my other castings. Can you guess who my Mario is? If you kind of if you got the feel of my comedy, who do you think I cast as Mario? Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> <laughs> I like Cedric. Yeah, no, not Cedric. No, I got no. I went with Jack Black. Oh, uh, he's, okay. He's round. He's very over the top comedy. I already, I kind of put in a clue of the, yes. the Jumanji. Yes. Um, and he's a big name. I think he could do a draw. You know, as Mario, he would he could make it work. He's he could be very video gamey, over the top. Right. I think he's pretty funny. And yeah, I just I can't get away from this film being a silly, quirky yeah. family comedy like a Britain, but making it more actiony right. like like Jumanji was. Right. Yeah. And so that's who my right. Mario is. Yeah. All right. I don't say so. All right. That was a super casting. <laughs> that was our casting for a Super Mario Brothers movie. Please join us next time. We are going to bring you another top 10 episode. We're going to do our top 10 favorite grunge songs of all time and do a fantasy grunge band casting. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.